0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Oh, hi everyone. Oh, I, I, I've got to say, I hate blinding lights. <laughs> I reckon every stage has them. Take, a, take your seat. Thank you, Donna. I'm trying to remember everyone's name that I've met so far. So I'm just rehearsing them. Wow, everyone's very quiet. Can I move then? Sorry. I like to be close to people. Everyone's really quiet. Hello. Hello out there. Well, I'm very excited to be here and it's a great privilege and I'd like to thank Pastor Kath for inviting me to come. She has never heard me speak before, so this is a bit of a risk, but I am sure that it will be okay. But um, I just want to honor before I start my mother-in-law and my three sister-in-laws that are here tonight. I love them very dearly. Yay. Give them a hand. To my mother-in-law, thank you for producing the best man in the whole world. Honestly, he is the best husband and father that exists, and uh, I adore him. So thank you so much, and thank you to my sister-in-laws, who I love very dearly. I don't want to get emotional, but anyway, um, I really believe that um, tonight God's going to do something incredible. Uh, I didn't just come here to have a nice conference and speak a nice word and get a pat on the back and go, gee, you're a really good speaker. I I came with the word of the Lord because I believe that God is raising up an army of women that are no longer going to just speak gossip, slander and rubbish, but are going to speak the word of the Lord and change a generation because we are not here to just play happy church. We are here fighting and waging a war against principalities and powers against the demonic realm. And I know that sounds pretty heavy, but you know what? We are. We're not uh, waging war like the Old Testament where the men would go out to battle and spear each other and cut each other's heads off. But we're waging a war against the demonic realm, the prince of this air that has taken dominion. And He takes dominion over over us ever so subtly. And we just fall into the trap and we buy into His lies and we walk around like a sleeping giant or a dead man walking. Because God wants to revive what is in us and work through us so that we can bring change to a dying world. Because I'm tired of the church being enclosed in four walls. I want the church to be activated out there in your workplace, in your homes, in your neighbourhoods, in your universities, wherever your world resides, that is where you need to be speaking. And so tonight I want us to to hear the word of the Lord. And what are you speaking Not out there tonight. We'll deal with that tomorrow. But what are you speaking over your life? And we're going to speak about that because I think there is such power in our words to our selves. We're always watching what we're saying towards others and with others. But tonight I want to deal with, and God wants to nail, what are you speaking over your life? Because there is life and death in the power of the tongue. So I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit comes because my words without the anointing of the Holy Spirit are just words. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like a two-edged sword that's going to pierce deep in the Spirit and make a change. So you want to pray with me, women? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. And I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to come. You've already been here through our praise and worship to you. But I pray right now as our hearts are opened and expectant that you would come. And as these words come out of my mouth, Lord, that they would pierce the spirit and the heart like a two-edged sword. And that the word would not return void, but they would bring change. And they would bring a deposit into each and every life. And we would carry what was heard, that our ears would not just hear the words, but we would be doers of the word. So I pray tonight. Have your way in Jesus' name. You know, um, I have two children. I have a little girl called Holly and a little boy called Taylor. And um, my daughter Holly is just the most adorable thing in the world. And um, she's just hilarious. You know, when people... I have a lot of babysitters in my life because I wouldn't be able to do what I do without them. And so it's funny to hear you know, the little stories after each Sunday when they're looked after and, you know, whenever they're looked after. And every time, it's so funny, but they always say, you know, Alex, Holly is just like you. When she, you know, consoles Taylor, she's just, you know, it's going to be okay, Taylor. Now, now, just settle down. That's enough. And they'll just crack up and laugh at her because she's just like me. She speaks like me. She acts like me. Why is that? Because she's around me 24-7. She's watching me. She's taking everything in that I do. She watches the way I speak with her father. She watches the way I handle situations in the home. She listens to me on the phone. She listens to me when I'm ministering with people. She watches me at the shopping centre when I'm not really getting good customer service. She's watching me when there's a bit of a hard time at home and everything's going wrong that day she watches what I say she's listening to every word so you know take a little check and if you've got sons and daughters don't ever get angry with them when they when rotten things come out of their mouth because guess where they've learnt them from oh dear you know oh where'd you say that from and then you realise you know I don't know if you ever saw that ad in the car where that woman swears and then the kid swears she's like What are you saying that for? And, you know, the mum just said it about two seconds ago. But it's an amazing thing that she speaks like me because of what she's listening to, what she's hearing, what she's experiencing. And, you know, it's either good or it's bad, you know. And that's we've got to watch what we speak over our lives because it actually impacts all of those around us. And you will never, ever know What you sound like, you just need to hang around the closest people to you to actually get a picture of what you're speaking over your life. See, I grew up in a home where my mum was quite negative. Everything was a problem. Everything was too hard. Everything had a crisis attached to it. And so when I was growing up, it was amazing how I would just see the negative and I would start to go, oh, well, you know, this is going to happen. Every time we get to a party, something bad happens. So I started to speak out these truths that I thought were truth, but they're not truths. I would do a certain thing a certain way because of the way my mum would speak over us or the way my father would speak over us. And I began to speak over my life the same way. And in Proverbs eighteen twenty one, we know the scripture. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruits. Now, I don't know about you, but what are you speaking over your life? Because sometimes it is death and you don't even know it's death, but you're eating of that rotten fruit. And it's amazing. It says those who love it, that's death and life, not just the life part, but the death. And we become comfortable with these words that we speak over our lives and they become natural. I don't know what you say over your life but you see out I found that it, whatever's in your heart just has its way of bubbling out into your mouth it's not actually from your mind it's actually out of your heart and the bible says that in Matthew 12:34 that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks i don't know what you're like when no one else is around and a pressure point comes to you or a crisis comes to you. What comes out of your mouth first? What is the tone? What is the, um, the essence of it? What's your default button? Because these are the things that will begin to form your life. And you know, you will hear positive speakers without God attached to it say what you say is what you get you know what you focus on is what you get you need to focus on the good things not the bad things but this is a biblical principle and as women of God we need to check what we're saying over our own lives and it gets affected by the things that have been told to us right from when we were born And we accept this default without even realizing it. And this is what I'm talking about, about the enemy using very subtle tactics over our life because you've got to remember he has dominion over this earth. We handed that over to him in the Garden of Eden, when we said, now you can have the authority over the airwaves. So you've got to understand, ladies, that in this atmosphere, our default is negative. The default in this fallen world is a negative mindset and we are fighting these principalities and powers in the atmosphere. So don't just think when you get this fiery dart that enters into your thought that, oh, that was just me and I'm just thinking of it. It's the enemy because the only way the enemy can get you is in your mind and those words form mindsets. Those mindsets become ways of thinking. Those mindsets become strongholds and they become a pattern and a way of doing things. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You've got to get your heart right. You've got to understand who you are and whose you are. And you've got to start shifting the atmosphere with your words in your own life. Because if you think a certain way, you will become that. And again, Proverbs 23 says, Uh, Verse 7 For as a man thinks in his heart, and as we go, we're women here, but that's for everybody. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See how it comes from the heart, the core of your being. This is the center of who you are. When your heart is affected, everything else gets impacted, everything else gets changed. And it's our heart that needs to be renewed. That's why we have to give our heart to the Lord and give it over to the Lord we don't give our minds to the Lord when we commit our lives to him we give our hearts we give our lives it's the core of our being because out of the heart flow the issues of life out of the heart when the heart is affected the mouth is affected and how is your heart ladies is it hurting Is it rejected? Is it broken? Is it offended? Because if those are the issues of your heart, then your mouth isn't going to be speaking very good things. Trust me, I've been there. There's no such thing as a little wrong thought. Seeds grow into trees. You're a seed that's grown into an adult person. Everything starts as a seed a thought starts as a seed but we nurture it with our words in here we nurture it we feed it we prune it we look after it we fertilize it with our words and our thoughts and it grows and it grows and it grows to the point where you cannot cut that little weed that started out as a tiny seed and you begin to just speak and you don't even know when you're speaking negatively you don't it's just become such a way of life for you that you don't you wouldn't even know that it's you know oh, I'm not a negative person Oh, no, I'm positive. But when you draw that flaming thing, get that out the way. Oh, gee, oh, it's raining today or everything. And then you don't even realize it because it's become such a pattern, you go, oh, this is the way it is. Or I can't do this. I'm hopeless. I've never been able to do that. I'm never good at maths. I'm really bad at maths. You know, as, as at school, I, I failed maths. And I, the teacher said I wasn't good at maths. So, you know, I'm not good at maths. And so what happens is you go to do maths and you... Stumble over math. So whatever you're, you're forming in your heart and in your thoughts, it becomes a way of life. And before long, you just accept it. I want to look at a couple of people in the Bible where they have got an, a, a thing about themselves, where God says one thing, they say another thing. But who's the authority in our life? Is it us or is it God? In, in Judges six twelve to 16, we read about Gideon. And uh, I'm going to go there. Judges 6 to 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our father told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I mean, here we have a dialogue with God, and he's telling God what he is. Here is God, he is the authority, he created him. And yet Gideon is going, no, 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 you don't understand. I am the least my family, I'm weak, can't do that. How can I save Israel? Have you seen our family? I don't think so. Yet he's made a declaration, said you are going to defeat the Midianites. You are going to bring salvation to Israel. You are a mighty man of valor. And constantly God is speaking to us, saying you are a woman of God. You have favor over your life. I have predestined you. I have made you an overcomer. And you're going, no, 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 God, you got the wrong woman. think you're talking about so and so over there you don't understand i come from a broken family no no no. you don't understand you know heritage not good no you don't understand you know i was a really bad sinner no 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 sorry you don't understand and here we are having this dialogue and we speak with god almighty who creates the unit he creates the universe and we have an argument with him saying sorry you got it wrong These are the words that we're speaking and I just want you to take a little check in your own heart and think about the last time that you spoke those words over your life. I can't. It's too hard. It's not for me. It's not fair. Why is this happening? Because they're not words that come from a woman of God. They're words that come from the flesh and from our fallen nature, which is the default. It's the principality of this air that says, you have no authority. You have no power. You can't do it. But that's a lie. You're buying into the lie. Again, we see in um, Exodus 3. <clears throat> Excuse me while I turn to it. Um with Moses like here is another classic example it just cracks me up I mean imagine if God came to you in like three-dimensional right there like here he says in in verse 10 come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt but Moses says to God Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Anyway, if we go on to chapter 4, verse um, 10, it says, Then Moses, you know, they're having an argument, another dialogue. But you can do this, you can do this. Then Moses says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I know that's not with us women, but so the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever whoever else you may send. So by this time, the Lord is getting very angry. He's made a declaration. It's not our place to argue. He chose you. You didn't choose him he created you you didn't create yourself you don't have the authority on what you can and can't do because my bible says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you so there's no negative speech that needs to be coming out of our mouth it is not of God and we re- we rationalize and go oh but that's just life oh but you know everyone's doing it everyone thinks like that no I don't agree. I really don't agree. See, I have a life that is full. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I don't look at the negative anymore. I see the negative as an opportunity. And I say, God, you're bigger you're stronger you've empowered me to make a difference I will not settle with the status quo I will not listen to when my body has been told it cannot have children I will fight and I will fight in prayer I will not fight the doctor who told me I will not be jealous and fight the other women that are having babies I'm going to fight the enemy who's stolen my seed and the ability to have children This is how we need to be, speaking it over our lives. I spoke over my life that I will have children. I kept speaking over my life, I will be pregnant. I spoke over my life, I will have a girl. I will have a boy. They will grow up in the ways of the Lord. I spoke over that they would be fair haired curly head and blue eyed and Henry and I neither of us have blue eyes and both of my children have blue eyes I spoke it into being because I understood the authority that is in me what are you speaking over your life we just speak things without understanding do you realize that we have to give an account for every word Every word that we utter, like, think about it. The the woman line is going to be very long. You think about poor God. Thank God it's eternity because it's going to take eternity to go through all the dialogue of women. So let's be careful with what we say over our own lives because it's not just what we say to others. It's what you say about yourself. See, God has a plan and a purpose for your life that he predestined before the foundation of the world. You were thought about and designed and predestined before heaven and earth was. That's an amazing thought. You weren't an accident. You weren't a mistake. But make no mistake, the enemy has a plan for your life as well. And that's to steal, kill and destroy your life. And it might not be in a horrid, horrible manner. It may just mean to make you quiet, to keep you subdued, to keep you in the background, to keep you so insecure that you just focus on yourself and you can't bear to speak out because, oh, you're so introverted and introspective and the enemy goes, I've won. Because she's just going to speak negative words over her life for the rest of her time. And she's going to have no impact upon others. And people are going to look at her and go, well, if that's Christianity, she can have it. It's a good crutch for her. But she's no different to me. So this is what we need to do. He wins. You see, in Genesis 1, 26 to 31, I'm not going to read it for time's sake. He said, let us make man in in our image. And he made man and woman in his image. Do we get that? We are created more intricately and with more purpose than the angels in heaven. We have more authority and more dominion than the angels in heaven. Yet we don't understand our position and we speak over our lives like we're some piece of rubbish. God said it was good when he made you. He doesn't make duds. He doesn't make things that are broken. He doesn't make things that are ugly. He doesn't make things that are fat or skinny or tall or short. He makes things good. He makes things healthy. He makes things strong. Yet it's the enemy that comes in with the lie of the pit of hell to say that you are this and you are that. And so you begin to believe that lie. Remember what I said about Holly? And you begin to reiterate what He is saying about you and it becomes a pattern and it becomes natural. And I'm here to share with you today that God wants to break that realm of negativity and that realm of self-doubt and that realm of self-insecurity. He wants to break that today. Because I'm seeing a bunch of women who are beautiful to me. I'm seeing a bunch of women who can make great impact in the state of South Australia. Not just this sleeping giant that is raising their hands on a Sunday and then Monday to Saturday they're just, I don't know, just doing nothing. What's the point? I say to people, don't be a Christian if you're not going to be one seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'd rather go and be a really bad sinner. There's no point in playing two things, in being the secret agent. God did not call you to be James Bond. He did it. He called you to be a light on a hill, to speak the truth, to be the salt in the earth. Yet the enemy has grabbed us by the neck and he's gone into our mindsets and gone, you, 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 you can't do that. You're hopeless. Look at you. Look at your kids. They're a mess. Look at you. You've got a failed marriage. Look at you. You couldn't do anything. Look at you. You've just, everything you touch just falls to pieces. Look at you. You can't get your, yourself together. You can't, you, you've got so many fears. You've got so many insecurities. But tonight God wants to smash them. See, when he created Adam and Eve, he created everything perfect. They didn't understand evil. They didn't understand what negativity was until the enemy came and said, did God really say that you'll die when you eat of this tree? I think he's holding out on you. They bought into a lie. And from that moment on, humanity has been at the mercy of a demonic idiot who speaks only lies I want you to understand if this week and you know I'm included in this if you've heard the words in your mind and in your heart and in your thoughts of I can't it's not fair it's too hard why did that happen I'm not good at that why is this happening to me how why did that person do that to me this is not fair who who said any of those things Yeah. So it's really, really easy to hear the voice of the enemy, isn't it? Because he's the father of lies. So we need to tap into our father in heaven, who speaks only good things. You see, when we, at the fall, took that bait of Satan, and we ate into it, we inherited this dysfunctional knowledge of who God is. God, our father. And we see him as this God sometimes who punishes or, you know, withholds from us or gives to some and not to others and makes us wait or perhaps is trying to teach us lessons all the time through adversity. But that's not the truth of God's word. If you read God's word, he is only good, he is a just God. But that was Old Testament when he was harsh, when he was judging. Then the curtain got torn into and we had direct access from what Jesus did on the cross enabled us to enter into a realm of perfection, enter into a realm of no more negativity, enter into the realm where you watched Jesus walk the earth with completeness, wholeness, with pureness. He was doing that as an example to us. And often we look at that and go, well, that was Jesus. You know, He walked the earth, but He was deity. He left deity and came to earth as a human being. And He just learned how to tap into hearing His Father's voice, His Father's way, so He didn't know any other voice. So when the enemy did come to Him to tempt Him when He was in the wilderness, He detected it straight away that it wasn't truth. And so he was able to speak over to the enemy and say, no, 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 uh, uh, uh. you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that's in this book. He began to quote scripture. And what we do is we buy into the, the lies when we're feeling tired when we're feeling vulnerable and these words come in and we speak them over our lives, yet we don't know this very well. Because this is the authentic script for you to memorize. We need to be speaking these words over our life, not the words that the enemy comes. They come by default. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. What's he saying? Don't be conformed to the principalities and the power of this atmosphere because that's your default but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's pleasing and acceptable will is for your life. And you will not doubt anymore about who you are. You will not speak over yourself that you can't. You will not talk about how bad things are, but you will see everything as an opportunity for God to move. My life was not always perfect and my life was not always positive. But I got a hold of this truth and this revelation of who I am in Christ. And I got a revelation that I had to stop speaking death into my life. I had to stop speaking what came natural. And I had to begin believing what was in the Word of God. Because He created you with significance. There's no such word in this whole entire book. That says you're insignificant. It doesn't exist. Yet why do most of us feel insignificant? Because you've bought into a lie. You've listened to that lie and you repeat it over and over and over again in your mind. The Lord has never... You know, I was watching a thing tonight as I was getting ready about women in Africa, in North Uganda, who go into a hut... Before they get married, for two months, they have to sit in a hut and they have to feed on cow's milk and fatten themselves up to the point of like really, really big because men find that beautiful in Uganda. And the two girls, there were two Western girls from America going. This is incredible. And they were the glamour girls. One was a celebrity and they couldn't believe it. But you know, something shifted in them and said, isn't it amazing that the men see this as beautiful, yet we don't see this as beautiful. Who determines what beautiful is? In style, Marie Claire, Vogue, uh, God. He declares what's beautiful. And when he says he makes All things beautiful. When he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, what do you believe? Oh, no, I'm not a size zero, so I can't be beautiful. Or I don't look like Angelina Jolie, so I can't be beautiful. Rubbish. You're beautiful because of what you speak over your life and what then comes out of you. What are you speaking over your life? You see, this is the thing, God, oh, he has given you everything, everything you need. And I'll prove it to you. Second Peter 1. I have to read it from the actual, as I've written it down, but like he's, he's really given it to you. You've got to believe this. Okay, Second Peter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Just that one scripture should change your life. You've been given everything through what? The knowledge. So, what's lacking in your life if you're not really living this? it's the knowledge. You don't have enough of this in here because it's not good for it to be here when you're sleeping. It doesn't magically just download while you're sleeping. You know, I wish it would sometimes, but it doesn't. You've got to put it in. What are you listening to? If you're reading Who magazine and New Idea... Guess what's going in? Junk gossip. Can I just tell you ladies, I work with a lot of people, like I have friends who are in print media. It's all lies. Like they take a photo and they write the caption. It's not truth. Yet we believe the lies. Oh, Brad and Angelina have broken up. Wow, if two beautiful people can't get it right, how's, how am I going to get it right? It's a lie my gosh, yet why do we believe it? Yet we're too lazy to pick this up, which actually has words of life to transform you and bring change. And then we wonder why we're walking around. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't do that. Why is it that she gets all the breaks? Why is it that she, you know, she's so successful and she got a job and I'm still unemployed. And why is it that I'm still single and she's married? And why is it that I haven't got a baby and, you know, I've been praying for ages and, you know, it's just so not fair and I'm just stuck in Adelaide for the rest of my life and, you know, just, you know, just, oh, just same old, same old, you know, it's mundane, the boring. I need to lose a few kilos. I need a Get a facelift. I need to get my hair done. Oh, I need to go on a holiday. I'm so tired. And these are the words that keep going over and over and over. You look at your husband some mornings, you think, why did I marry him? (laughs) Of course I don't. (laughs) But, you know, we speak these words our flesh loves to stroke the wounds oh tell us how hard it is how much we do as women you know no one works as hard as I do you know Oh, you know, just before I came, I put on three loads of washing, folded the clothes, put on two dinners, and, you know, made sure that everything was right, and, you know, had to drive the car, pick up a friend, you know, get, get my hair done, get my makeup done. Oh, and I'm just here by the grace of God. <laughs> you know, we think it's this hard. Oh, oh. I hope you're not taking photos of me with those ugly faces. But <laughs> But, you know, this is what we listen to. But do you know what we're doing every time we do that, ladies? We're taking what Christ did on the cross and we're just saying, oh, didn't really mean anything, didn't really have much effect. That was nice what you did. I can celebrate that every Easter. Have a few Easter eggs. Great. Thanks, God. Awesome. (laughs) You know, I can even come to church and raise my hands and, oh, bless the Lord. Great is our God. Yes. Awesome. But when we're home, God, why are you doing that? You're not so great after all. What are we saying? See, what do you believe? What is it that's in your heart? What is it that's been ripped off? What is it that you're blaming God for that's actually the devil's fault? What is it that you're not getting past because somebody's offended you or hurt you? Girls, I've been offended. I've been hurt. I've been rejected. I've been broken. My life. I have a great family, right? I love my mother, my father. God bless him. He passed away five years ago. I had a good upbringing. Yet my mother was, as I said, she grew up in a very abusive home. She was physically beaten her whole life. And so her only way of knowing how to deal with discipline in our family was to beat us. That's the only way. She didn't do it deliberately to get a kick out of it. But when she was angry and frustrated because she hadn't understood the power of the cross, we were beaten. We were tied up as kids. I mean, I remember watching my brothers in the lounge room because they hadn't come to dinner at the right time where they would be tied up with ropes in the lounge and, and made to stay there for hours. I was just hit in the face, anywhere, any way. If she didn't like what I'd said, I was just slapped in the face. I was broken. I was told that I was lazy, that I was stupid, that I would never amount to anything when she was frustrated and when she was angry. I had to be perfect so that she could brag about me to her friends. And so I developed an eating disorder at the age of 11 because I thought if I was skinny the whole time that I would be okay and I would be fine. So I would speak over my life, you know, oh, I could never be overweight because then my mum, you know, she'll always pick on me and my, my grandmother will tell me off. And, uh, and all these People were forming words over my life. You were never wanted. You're number four. I only ever wanted two children. You're a mistake. They're the words that I heard as a child. They're the words that I heard growing up. My mum didn't mean that. She wasn't mean to me. She didn't know any different. And that was the pattern. And if I even talk to her some days today, we've resolved our relationship. It's awesome. And I'll sometimes say to her, mum, do you remember when you did that? I never did that. She's devastated because it was a pattern. It's all she'd known. It's all she spoke over her life. And until Jesus redeemed her, she had no idea she was even doing it. But I stand here today completely free of every abuse, every word that's been spoken over my life, every disorder of my mind. It's broken and gone because I began to believe what the Word of God said about me. And I began to believe when Psalm 139 said, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I formed you in the secret place. I predestined every day and I set it out as a plan. You know what that did? That counteracted the enemy's lies of you're not wanted, you're a mistake, you're a reject. So I replaced those words which were only ever talked about in anger and resentment and I replaced them with Psalm 139 until they became so much a part of me and I spoke them over my life day in day out that today I know and I stand here fearfully and wonderfully made loving who this person is being able to love my children and never strike them out of anger being able to speak words of life to my husband and my children and never live and continue this rotten pattern that was meant for me from the enemy and tonight Ladies, God wants to do a work in your life. I am not here to make you laugh and tell you some nice thoughts. I am here as an ambassador from heaven to say you don't need to be speaking lives of death over your um, words of death over your life anymore. Because it's true what Pastor Kath said: you frame the world you live in by what you speak. You frame it. Nobody else. Don't you blame so-and-so for your life. Don't you dare blame your background. And I know some of you here, I don't have to be a prophet to know that some of you may have been abused, been treated very badly. I am not making light of that. But you know what I am saying? That the God who sent Jesus Christ to bear every sin, every infirmity, Every abuse, every sickness died so that you could be free. And if we don't take hold of that, it's like being given a million-dollar check, placing it on our fridge, and just looking upon it and going, I'm a millionaire. Isn't that nice? And you tell people you're a millionaire, but you're still living in your one-bedroom flat. That's so decrepit that you can't even... You know, the walls are about to fall down. You've got no furniture in there and you've got no food. But you're telling everyone you're a millionaire and people are looking at you going, I don't don't think so. That's not how I would ever see a millionaire living. Millionaire lives in a lush house with a beautiful car and every good thing. Yeah, that's what we do because in order to be the millionaire, you need to cash that check. You need to withdraw from it to then gain the things that you would like to have to change your circumstances ladies this is your million dollar check you don't need mtv cribs you don't need a makeover you don't need a husband he's not going to change your life you don't need the career of a lifetime You don't even need babies to complete you. You need Jesus. You need the words of this book to resonate over your life. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.